Hello, and welcome to The Purpose. I'm Bill Brunson. And I'm Kit McClure. And today we're going to begin our journey through the Sundays of Advent. And this year we'll be talking about the names that are given to Jesus. Our series is going to be called, And His Name is Called. Today, and we are joined by a couple of guests. Uh, we have John Sweeney. Good morning. And Scott Barnes. Great to be here. And so we'll begin reading today in Luke, the first chapter, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor, favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. And so today we'll begin, we'll be talking about the name that is given to Jesus, that is, he is the son of David. And that is a, a name that ties him back richly into the Jewish heritage. It ties him back to the great king of Israel, but it also has other meanings along the way. And so I'm going to ask Kip and John and Scott to begin to, to talk about this. What does calling Jesus the son of David, what does that mean to you? Well, I think, you know, first of all, when we read this, it's kind of your your modern American readers say, all right, the son of David. Well, I mean, we're all the son of somebody. Um, so you can read it just from a surface level standpoint and, and start asking up the questions like, all right, is this is the Bible telling us um, something as simple as that? Well, clearly it's not, um, because why would you put that in there? It's one of the, the cool things about the Gospels and the way that they're written is every little thing in there obviously has some level of significance. So it beckons us uh, to kind of go back into the Old Testament and to, to Jewish history and try to figure out, okay, well, why is that significant? Why is being called the son of David so important? All these other names that are given to Jesus um, are mighty and powerful and, and all this other stuff, but you see kind of this, the son of David. Well, that's clearly important, and, and, and why is it important, which is kind of what we're going to um, figure out here, but it's not. It's clearly not in the same way that, you know, my dad's name is, is Robert Earl Barnes Jr. <laughs> um, but when they, they introduce me to everyone, you know, they might say, Scott, this is the son of Robert, but that literally means nothing more than that's who my father is. But this is obviously something hugely significant that the readers of this would instantly attach to and understood, okay, this is a really, really important person. Well, you know, I hearken back to our sermon series that we did back in September where we focused on David and his kingship and the, um, the, the moments in his life that were so formative, the, the time when he was playing the lyre in, um, in, in Saul's court, and then when he uh, fights um, uh, Goliath. And it's, it, it's David is um, set in history as um, up until this point, perhaps the most recognized figure in all of Israel. And clearly, Luke 
and clearly, you know, gospel writers and readers, that was the hook that was put out there early, that that David needs to be invoked here to to establish the magnitude of who this this child, this birth, uh, this baby is going to be. And to be the son of David is as close to being David as could be is, is, um, it's, it's the attention grabber. It's the hook. And I will say that, um, for those who've been listening for weeks, uh, John was the first on our, on our podcast to use the word hearken. Hearken. Um, that (laughs) was a, that was a powerful (laughs) use of a word that that. nobody uses anymore. It's that Duke education. (laughs) It is Duke. Yeah, yeah, that Duke education. Uh, yes. Well, you know. Well, look, I can contribute something. (laughs) I guess you. I'm done It's something. It was something. We didn't say hearken at SMU. I was wondering if it would be easier just to call it. I mean, name Jesus, Jesus Davidson. I mean, he's son of David, so you know you could, could give him a last name like that. But the uh, I find it fascinating that when you go back to Matthew's gospel, uh, the very first line uh, says an account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And so what um, what what Luke is saying. Um, to Mary is tying in uh, her role in what has been God's role in trying to bring salvation to humanity uh, through through the the choosing of Abraham. Uh, that was Israel's purpose was to bring the light of of God to the world. Uh, but we're seeing a shift uh, as that light that role begins to shift over to what becomes the church, but. Mary is this pivotal figure uh, that that is connecting those, and so we really see uh, Luke trying to show that this is something that goes back all the way to the beginning of of, of God's purposes for Israel. Yeah, and and can we just can we just take one second? And I, I always, anytime like I read the story, and obviously if you're if you're in church, you. You read this every single year, uh, whether it's on Christmas Eve or, or, or any other place. You hear this story. Every time I read it, I instantly sit there and think, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be Mary. Yeah. You're just sitting there doing your normal, living as holy as you can life, uh, engaged uh, to someone, and all of a sudden an angel comes to you and not just says, hey, you're going to have a child, which just happened in Luke's gospel. It's not just that you're going to have a child. You're going to have a child. It's not going to be by your future husband. It's going to be by the Holy Spirit, not just any child. But this child's going to be the son of David, everlasting counselor, prince of peace. I always sit there and read that. And we always get into this kind of thing, especially as Protestants. When we talk about Mary, we want to be careful with what we say and what we don't say. But I think sometimes we do a massive disservice to not talking about how absolutely special I mean, the angel literally says, God has found favor with you, which God doesn't throw out, I've found favor in you many, many times uh, in the entire Bible. If you look at who he does that with, it's, it's a short list. I think it's Noah, Moses, Gideon, and David, and now Mary, who's a woman. Um, and Luke's gospel gets that. I, I really, every time I read the story, I just think of, of this vessel that God is choosing to use to bring this son of David into the world is something that, especially in the Advent season, we can't miss. Um, while we don't, 
you know, believe and, and all the things that maybe the Roman Catholic Church does about Mary, Mary is a significantly unbelievably important person in who we are and what we profess and is an integral part of this particular story and making this a reality. Because she is mentioned in that genealogy talking about Matthew, which is another whole podcast or sermon series just to talk about that genealogy and why certain names are in there, which is incredible as well. Well, yeah, I mean, Mary is this unique character that just what the angel is telling her that she'll bear a son, miracle. Uh, that it will be from the Holy Spirit, miracle. But that she is going to tie in to the greatest person of their faith, other than other than the giver of the law, Moses, um, or you know the the prophet Elijah, uh, that that is so beloved of the Jewish people. It's David. I mean, in the time of in the time of Mary, in the time of Joseph, in the time of Jesus, you still have the white marble obelisk rising up in the city of David in the in uh, on Mount Zion, in the Mount Zion area of Jerusalem. You still have the tomb of David recognized, and people uh, are still going there then to pray at the chant the Psalms at the tomb of David, and they still go to the site now where David, where David is believed to be buried. I mean, so Mary to be told a female, a female from Nazareth to be told that you are going, your story is now going to be woven into the story of the great king, is miracle upon miracle upon miracle, and that the child you're going to bear is going to be called the son of David. I mean, that is overwhelming. And the fact that Matthew leads off with that line about the son of David, uh, I mean, remember, Matthew's gospel is written primarily to the Jewish people. That, that is his audience. He contains more references that would draw the Jewish people in. And for him to start that way, he is taking Jesus and fully rooting him in that salvific history of the Jewish people the son of David rising up again as Messiah. And you bring up a good point, I think. And for me, it, it, it brings in the humanity of Jesus, that, that we all understand the humanity of David and the, 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 the wonders that he, he did and, the, and the, the strength that he provided. But also, he was clearly human and clearly flawed, not saying that this baby is going to be flawed, but it invokes the humanity of Jesus, which is critically important that we continue to talk through, not just during the Advent season, but the the true divinity and the true humanity of Christ is so critical in, a, in understanding of salvation. And, and that invoking of David reminds me very much of the strength that David brings to Israel, but also the the true humanity of David, that he's just, he, there were moments that we can all point to that go, gosh, that probably wasn't the best decision. Well, yeah, and we keep we keep going back to Matthew chapter 1, maybe this, maybe we should have talked about that one today, but that genealogy to me tells the gospel story through a genealogy in, in like no other would in the entirety of the scripture, because you see people mentioned in the genealogy of the Lord that if if I was writing out the genealogy of the one that was supposed to save I'd, the world, I'd leave some of those. I'd leave some of them out, out. Yeah. Yeah. including yeah. David. I mean, Bathsheba's mentioned right there with with David is a reminder of okay, yeah, son of David. We're we're 
from a prophecy standpoint, we're checking all the boxes, but let's lest we forget that this guy was a sinner just like us. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's telling the story. I almost think the Son of David thing is almost a, a two-edged thing. It's obviously talking about this is going to be the one that sits on the throne forever and ever, but this is also the one that's not coming to set people free politically or set people free militarily, but to set people free from their sin and their bondage, which David suffered from. Um, so I, I, like I said at the beginning, I think the Gospels do an incredible job, and when you're reading them, you can't miss anything. You're talking about 30-plus year life condensed down to a handful of pages, and so everything matters, every term, and generally there's a lot that you can unpack. So even stories like this, in Luke chapter 1, which, if you've, if, like I said, if you've grown up in church, you've read this over and over and over again. There's still, even, and, and I get when I say this, I know that 35 years is not a lot of years. I'm aware. <laughs> but every year that I've come back and read this, it's like something else pops up that is so critically important that maybe I didn't notice before. Well, um, what you just mentioned, though, about the genealogy of David from the Matthew Gospel, but the Jewish people of this time would have known those genealogies mm-hmm. because they would they they clearly knew who was in the line of David and right. you know, they kept up with that uh, genealogy they they knew what tribe they were still part of uh, d- generations passed when they moved back into the promised land but the fact that the genealogy of Jesus going back to David includes people like Bathsheba and includes foreigners like Ruth, it includes Rahab, it includes all of these people who have good and bad and ugly sides of them, and then out of all that comes something amazing, the Savior of the world. I mean, that says that out of even our worst can come our best out of out of our absolute failures and our and our awful moments and and the things we'd rather just not talk about anymore uh, can come the greatest and because that just seems to be how God works. You know, a couple of uh, years ago, we um, we took our family on our our graduation trip for my oldest son, and we went to Scotland because both both of our families, my wife and mine from Scotland so we were going to do a little genealogy try to figure out where we fit in and so we discovered that that my wife's well my family basically were dirt farmers that were thrown off of their tenant lands that was that was our claim to fame uh, my wife's family on the other side uh, her ancestor founded St. Andrews University uh, which is of course where golf was at St. Andrews where golf was also invented uh, he, he's buried in the same uh, in, a, in a crypt uh, in the, in the cathedral where Robert the Bruce is, uh, and and so they have they have a castle, and of course, in my family, it's nothing. Uh, when I read this, and I when you talk about trying to bring in the lineage of David and say the son of David, it's clear that we it it, it gives me a sense of joy to know that I flawed like David and many other people in genealogy have been written into something much bigger. We, we want to belong to something. We want to have a heritage and uh, like we kind of did when we were in Scotland. But it writes us into the story of this l- long line of, of God's salvation 
history, uh, and we're part of it. I mean, we're part of something that goes back uh, thousands and thousands of years, and when we're included, and David's uh, the use of David's name helps us to tie into that long salvation history of God. So, how will how do you see this idea of the son of David, um, that Jesus is the son of David, as a uh, as, as a person living in this day, this time, this culture? How does Jesus being the son of David? What what does that say to you and your faith? What what hope does that give? What challenge does that create? Uh, what confidence does that bring? What concern does that raise? How does that impact your faith that Jesus comes into the world and is the son of David? For me, anytime like I read this story or anytime I, I look back at, you know, say, First and Second Samuel and read the entire catalog of David's life, you know, a lot of prophecies are made about, oh, you know, this Jesus is going to be the one that sits on the throne forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And even though there were times not long after those prophecies were written where there was no one on the throne, whether it was the Assyrians, the Babylonians, or the Romans coming in and, and destroying the temple and all those other kind of earthly things, what we are worshiping and what we celebrate is the birth of a king who sits on a throne in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever and that no matter what happens on this earth no matter what you know sins we may commit or destruction or chaos that lives around us or how many of our earthly things may come and go that there is a high king that no matter what may befall this earth sits on the throne and that high king came to earth for people like me um I take so much comfort in that and so much peace in that, especially in the world we live in now uh, with everything going on in the Middle East and everything going on really all over the world. It's hard for me to imagine living through all of this without knowing that there's a king on the throne in heaven who left the 99 sheep for the one. And I oftentimes feel like the one sheep that runs far, far away. And there's so much hope um, to me in that, that this is the king sitting on David's throne, but David's throne is not sitting in a temple in Jerusalem. David's throne is sitting in heaven. You just, you said the word that I was going to land on, and that is Harken. Harken, yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to harken back to a time of true hope. Um, and But there's a reason why Advent is the season of hope, that, that this story and all of the stories that kind of circulate during Advent throughout the years all point to a, a hope that um, is is critical for me. Um, when I when I think about David, and I appreciate the opportunity to have preached on David so recently, like we talked about in September, because it it really does create a better understanding of who David was, and that for me creates a greater sense of hope, because it doesn't um, uh, it it doesn't create um, unrealistic expectations. It creates this idea that I am very much a part of this same narrative that David was, um, and that Jesus 
becomes and 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 like you said kip invites us in and and we become woven into this narrative that is tremendously hopeful and for me advent and just starting this season with this sermon series and or with this sermon on the son of david is one of hope that is what i i am thrilled to be a part of it's exciting and and we look at the life of what's happening in this church but also um what's happening in in our world, hope is critical, um, and we've 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 seen what life can look like without hope. Um, and some of the the images that we've seen recently seem hopeless. Yet we continue to return to these stories and to this scripture, the the understanding that the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David, is approaching into this world, and that just gives me tremendous hope I think I'm, I'm reminded um, of the words of Paul where, where he talks about how we're grafted I believe it was Paul mm-hmm. who told we're grafted into um, this this narrative and and this genealogy and I think for me it's just an humbling thought that God would love me enough um, to make me his child and that I'm then part of this incredible story and that's a lot of love I mean that's taking you know little old me who doesn't <laughs> uh, doesn't have a lot of connections otherwise uh, but suddenly I'm a part of the greatest thing that God is doing in human history and so for me, David is is that connecting point, and 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 Mary is that connecting point of of somehow I God loved me enough to pull me into this story. So as you're going through this week and starting the Advent season, we remember that at one point the prophet Jeremiah spoke about that in those days and at that time. I'll make, a, I'll make a righteous branch sprout from David's line, and he will do what is just and what is right. May we find hope in this season, knowing that with all the chaos in this world, Jesus is seated on the throne, and we can have confidence in our life because he, he does love us enough that he's brought us and made us part of his family. But also I hope that as you are starting this Advent season, that sometimes is a is a time of reflection and remembering and we remember good things and bad things and and sometimes we can get caught up in our emotions in this season and go all the way back to we find ourselves going down that that dark spiral of every bad thing we've ever done and because you know maybe this christmas isn't what we thought christmas was going to be like and it just can send us in that place remember that out of the lineage of David that was filled with the good and the bad and the ugly, the people who got it right and the people who got it wrong, the people who were maybe a little more holy and the people who are a lot more sinful, out of all of that chaos came something perfect and amazing, the greatest gift the world has ever known, the birth of Christ into the world, Jesus, the son of David. And so out of all of that that's taken place in your past, God can bring something amazing this Christmas season. So look for that. Pray for that. May God bless you. 
I hope you'll join us again next week.